The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're in season seven, where we're writing the consumer health playbook and answering the questions, who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Forward Health's tech-enabled patient experience. It's unusual for primary care clinics to tout cool new tech. So how does Forward explain it so that it matters to consumers and possibly provides a point of differentiation? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I share some provocative thinking about career planning for young professionals in the healthcare innovation space. This is the first in a three-part series for early career professionals, those with a few years of experience who are looking at what's ahead. For our next two parts, we'll hear the latest from our executive recruiter friend, Kelly Gill, and we'll hear a firsthand account of a young professional, Logan Breyer, and how he's made career choices so far. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Do you know how I know that Forward Health could be onto something? Just a couple of days ago, their pre-roll ad played before I watched a YouTube video, and I didn't skip it. I've been known to click that skip ad button so fast that it practically burns a hole in my monitor. This time though, I not only didn't skip it, but I watched the entire four minutes and forgot what video I'd actually clicked through to watch. Now, I attribute a lot of that to my consumer health geekiness, but if I take a step back, I can see a number of things in their ad that make them interesting and tell us what they see as differentiators in the primary care battleground. Forward Health is a membership-based chain of primary care clinics founded in 2016 by Adrian Ayun, who used to lead special projects at Google. They tout a pretty impressive array of AI-based precision medicine tools. Now, I've heard those terms for a lot of years, but this may have been one of the first times where I've heard them described in a way that non-healthcare people, aka consumers, could understand what they mean and why they matter. And to me, it's because they focus on technology being part of a new kind of consumer experience. Right off the bat, the host opens the clinic door, invites you in, and says, we're a new type of doctor's office that provides preventive primary care. As he walks through the self-service check-in kiosk, he talks about how one of the cool things about Forward is that you can schedule same-day visits, there's no wait times, and they don't charge co-pays. He rattled off those features like they were on a checklist of what makes a great consumer-first health experience. And maybe he's right. The ad goes on to demonstrate some of their cool tech. Their biometric body scanner that creates a thermal map of your body. The red light spectroscopy scanner that shines light through your hand and finger to check blood flow in real time. Their infrared vein mapper that highlights the veins in your arm to make for a nice clean poke. The on-site blood lab that takes just 12 minutes to process your sample. 
their integration with 23andMe to look at genetic predispositions and health risks, and their app with a chatbot that averages a three to five minute response. I will say at first, it felt a little off-putting for a walkthrough of a primary care clinic to not show any people other than the host. But then I realized that with each technology they demonstrated, they explained how it enabled their doctors to sit down with you and co-create a comprehensive health plan together. As they explained, you're sitting side by side with your doctor, reviewing your blood information, understanding what these metrics mean, seeing what's in range and out of range in real time. And if you identify an area for opportunity, well, then you're able to start building a preventative plan right away around nutrition, around exercise, monitoring blood work, monitoring prescriptions, a much more comprehensive plan rather than just reactive care. Digging a little deeper, I found that Forward appears to have 22 locations and one more coming soon. Membership is $149 a month, and it looks like you can use your HSA or FSA funds. And when I dug through the FAQs on their website, one response was particularly intriguing. To the question of, does Forward accept health insurance? The response was, Forward does not accept health insurance because we believe health insurance companies are the root of our broken healthcare system. We're working to rebuild the entire system from the ground up in order to fix it. Yeah, I kind of loved that. Now, it's important to note that this type of care model isn't for everybody. The body scanner alone might scare off some patients, and not everybody gets excited to walk through their genetic predispositions one by one on a ginormous video screen with the doctor. And that's okay. My takeaways on forward are, one, at least on the surface, they have some pretty cool tech. Two, they emphasize prevention as part of a true comprehensive health plan. And three, their language echoes their mission. Their explanations of how their technologies lead to a better experience are admirable. I hope more practices start doing that. Let's all challenge ourselves to not only design and build consumer-first experiences, but let's also do better at explaining those experiences to consumers. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey Zane, great to hear your voice again. Hey, how's it going? Well, I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be a really cool topic today. I'm really excited to talk about this. It's going to make me think back a lot. So you're going to have to stop me and say like, listen, your experience at this point in your career isn't that relevant anymore. And I'm totally okay with you saying that because I would not put myself in the young professional space these days. But we're talking specifically to younger professionals today and our thoughts and tips or things we've learned about being at that point in our career. Zane, do you want to set us up here in terms of like specifically the type of people we're addressing today? Yeah, I think, you know, we wanted to talk to you where, you know, folks maybe are coming out of a master's degree or even an undergrad degree. And you're considering trying to get into healthcare, whether it be, you know, through a traditional route, you know, working for a hospital system or a group practice somewhere, or maybe you're trying to like, you know, take the new school route and work for a Silicon Valley startup or one of these quote unquote disruptors who are getting to healthcare. Those are the folks we want to speak to today and maybe offer some advice on how you might go about doing that. Maybe not super tactically, but like things to think about before you, you know, run in head on trying to save the world. Like I certainly tried to do when I started. But by the way, I don't know if I considered like a young careerist anymore. I celebrated a birthday a few weeks ago, so I'm 31 now. So I don't know where that puts me on the spectrum of being new or in my mid-career now or certainly not aging out, but I'm no longer on the, I think, the super young side anymore. Oh, let's just say you're, you're not the gray-haired, get-off-my-lawn guy <laughs> just yet. So right, uh, you got some space ahead of you, that's for sure. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of how we'll structure this today, there's some thoughts that, that why don't we just run through the ones you've got here. Some things like if you run into somebody and you have a few minutes to sit down and you're like, Hey, tell me what you're looking for. Tell me where you're headed. Like, tell me where you want to go with your career, the things you're seeing. And these are some of the things that you'd be sharing with them if they're like, well, I could use some help answering those questions. Quite frankly, Uh I'm seeing a different healthcare maybe than what I saw when I very first went into this field, you know, even though it doesn't feel like that long ago, somebody in that situation who's asking those questions and, and just looking for some advice from, uh, from someone like yourself. So uh, why don't you run us through those? Sure. You know, maybe the first thing I would say, you know, especially at, you know, your earliest career stage, assuming you don't have a whole lot of experience, which is totally fine. You know, anyone you're going to run into who might offer you a role, you know, likely knows you don't have a whole lot of experience, but that's not an issue. And so, but what you do probably need to start with is thinking about your brand. And before I go down, you know, a rabbit hole of, you know, become a social media influencer, I think what I really mean is get good at telling your story. And so how you came to where you're at, maybe how you selected the education you did, or or maybe there's some like small internships you did, how you got there. But even if you're not exactly sure where you want to end up in the industry, I'm almost guaranteed you could develop a story and a position on what impact you want to have in healthcare. And so there might be, you know, a certain area, you know, maybe it's women's health, behavioral health, maybe it's primary care, maybe it's a certain community, maybe, you know, care you know, heavily about you know, serving you know, Spanish Americans or LGBTQ people or something, you know, get good at telling people, you know, who might be a conduit to an opportunity, what it is you want to do aspirationally. And so you don't have to be super tactical about it. Just say, hey, you know, I want to go and, you know, increase access to care for, you know, Vietnamese Americans in, you know, this region and who knows. And so I think getting really good at defining that impact and that story is going to help you move mountains in the early days. And the second thing I'd say is, Think about starting really small and I'll confess my bias. I'm basically giving advice based on my own trajectory. And so that's just my experience. Doesn't mean it'll necessarily work for you or that it's necessarily right. Um, But I was really, really fortunate. I didn't realize how fortunate I was was in the moment. But in hindsight, I realized what a blessing it was um, to first start working at a small no name, no brand, rural community hospital um, outside of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. About 60 beds, a 10 bed ER, I think 30,000 ER visits a year, 40 million Canadian dollar budget, which is tiny. Like those hospitals barely even exist anymore in the US. Um, but by starting small and working in a very, very small institution, I was given opportunities that people my age and my experience level at the time wouldn't normally get. And so I was like one, one title level removed from the CEO, um, you know, had great executive relationships, you know, went to board meetings, which I just thought was normal. But when I ended up getting recruited to Henry Ford, I realized it wasn't normal. I'm like, oh, I can't go to the board meeting. Like, no, my boss didn't even go to the board meeting at the time. Um, but more importantly, in addition to building those relationships, when you work in an institution like like I used to call it like a dollhouse size hospital, you can actually learn the whole thing pretty quickly and understand how all the pieces work. You know how patients flow, the, flow through the hospital, what the business strategy is of the hospital, the political strategy, what community partners you need to make everything work and deliver high performing care. 
And so by starting small, by having like this almost like an aquarium terrarium view of this small healthcare ecosystem in Lincoln, Ontario, I was then able to learn a lot and then scale up to a large system or a much bigger Henry Ford in Detroit and actually understand what was going on. I knew the pieces because really, at least within the hospital context, it's, it's all the same, just bigger, smaller, bigger, smaller, depending on where you go. And so starting small really laid that foundation for me. And I would highly encourage people to think about it. Like I know coming out of school, people want to go work for like Mayo or Cleveland Clinic or, you know, disruptors like CVS or Walmart, these big, big name brands, these massive companies or institutions. And certainly that looks great on a resume. They can probably pay you well. They certainly can put you on a career path. Um, but there's something to just going and working for call it a no-name institution where you might find you get like a more rewarding experience and a deeper and richer experience. And so if I were anyone starting out that was going down the hospital at new path, I would go find, you know, your local community hospital or even a critical access hospital and see if they would hire you or even do like an internship. I started working unpaid and just sold myself and, you know, made my way to where I am today. So building your brand, starting small, the next thing I would say, and I'll stop right and let you talk, Jared, is um, think about intentionally from the beginning, building your network outside of your job title and outside of your employer. And so what I mean by that is you know, if you go start working for Cleveland Clinic as a project manager, which a lot of non-clinical administrators do start in some type of project management or coordinator role, you know, that's just kind of those entry-level roles. You know, think about, you know, not only networking internally within the institution to build relationships and find opportunities, but also from the get-go, start to get involved more in the industry. And so there's tons of like young executive or young leader committees of different national organizations like the AHA, the AMA. There's probably local chapters. Think about getting on the boards or committees of local nonprofits. And the reason why that is important is, A, it helps you know, to network and through networking comes opportunity, but also it helps you build skills and see and learn how other organizations manage themselves. You get to see other leaders in action. And from that vantage point, you can start to compare and contrast leadership styles, management styles, leadership systems. And then it just gives you sort of this ability that to scan and see more broadly what's actually occurring in your community. And especially down the hospital administration route, it's super important to understand how your institution interacts and interdigitates with other health-related and nonprofit organizations within your community. And so building your brand and starting small and like building your network outside of your employer, to me, those are the top three things I'd recommend any young careerist um, should focus on right out of the gate. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Healthcare marketers juggling lots to do. Gotta keep patients healthy. Coming back to you, knowing which words will lead more patients to act is not an easy feat, as a matter of fact. Competition heating up, new players on the rise. Persado has the right words already optimized. Just plug in the content, turn it on, and your campaign blues will soon be gone. Persado provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized marketing messaging focused on improving health goals and business objectives. Persado's journey-based content uses the right words proven to drive conversions among the customers that matter most. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com.
Healthcare is an industry where women make 80% of buying decisions and are 65% of the workforce. Yet women are notably underrepresented in industry leadership, making up approximately 30% of C-suite teams and just 13% of CEOs. The Hit Like a Girl podcast ensures that more women's voices from healthcare and health IT are heard in an effort to inform policy as well as to help more women advance within the industry. I'm the show's founder and host, Joy Rios, and I interview women leaders to amplify their work. New episodes are released weekly on Mondays and Thursdays, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Health Podcast Network, or wherever you tune in. To find out more, you can follow us on social media or go to hitlikeagirlpod.com. Okay, back to the flow. All well said. I like all of those. I'd agree with all of those, especially the part when you talk about building your brand outside of your job title or your organization. When I think about some comments that I hear from younger professionals, it's definitely along the lines of, well, I don't know. I don't feel like I have the experience. I don't feel like I have something to say when they hear advice of go start some content, go publish your, your perspective, go share it. We just tell people what you feel like at the, at that moment. And the natural kind of knee jerk reaction is, well, yeah, I don't think I have anything important to say, or I haven't been doing this for 20 years, so I don't think anyone will care. And that's kind of an old world way of thinking is what I've learned. There's a lot that we all have to learn from each other. I mean, I just figured out the other day, you know, I've produced more than 400 podcast episodes like overall, right? So every one of those, every single guest that I've had on, on any of these shows that I've produced, I can't think of anyone that didn't have something valuable to say. Like, sure. Everyone had something that was worth passing along and learning from somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty big sample size in terms of we've all got something that we can share and just recognize the value of it. Yeah. And how, and you know, whether it's through your social media or your own blog, like just publishing in your name out there, especially early on, like pays dividends. So my experience, I was just really fortunate. Um, I obviously the advice, like I said, just share was based on my own experience. But I got involved, you know, really early on in a, you know, a young, a youth retention task force for the city of Windsor. Uh, again, city of Windsor, southern Ontario, has issues keeping young people. And through that opportunity, we created an event, and the media happened to be there. And when they found out I was working in healthcare, they thought it was unique. And so, kid you not, Jerry, I don't think I ever told you the story, but four months into me starting in healthcare, there's a front page of the Windsor Star article. My big face saying, you know, health innovation is an opportunity for for millennials and from millennial careers. And being on the front page, at least of a like local paper, was significant for me at the time. And it was that opportunity that like got my name out there. People started to call me and like, hey, we heard about you, we read about you, even though it was only four months into the job. And so definitely, you know, not promoting yourself in a hey, look at me, but being okay, you know, sharing your opinion and thoughts leads to more opportunities to share your opinion and thoughts if done so tastefully. Yeah, that's the key. Done tastefully. It's possible to do it tastefully. Yeah. If you don't want to be so dismissive to think, well, anyone who shares anything valuable, like is bragging or is at a certain point in their career, we can all learn from everybody. That's always been my philosophy. There's an abundance of insight from the world is one reason why, you know, I keep doing podcasts, but yeah. I learn I learn from people all along the way. So yeah, we don't want to be dismissive of ourselves or others' opinions. And yeah. that's always treated me well. 
Yeah. And by doing that, you start to become, and I almost hate the term, but it's overused, not about this term like thought leader, but it's helpful because sometimes, you know, especially in bureaucratic institutions like hospitals, health systems, you get pigeonholed by your job title. And so you might only be known as Jared from marketing or, or Zane, the project manager. And that's not really a full characterization of your skills. Maybe that's the skills you're applying to get a paycheck at the time, but there's so much more behind you. And so by having your own content platform and Googleable articles or whatever, you know, people could start to see, hey, wait a minute, like this person knows more than project management or performance improvement, or you know, maybe we can pull them into other stuff, which ultimately just leads to more opportunity. A, a, a couple here then that are, that are kind of related to some of the ones yeah. that, that you shared. Again, just thoughts. The first one is just to develop your curiosity because I feel like there could be a perception that you did well in school, right. uh, you you had some opportunities, you, you did well on projects or whatever, and then all of a sudden success is going to just fall in your lap. Right. And in healthcare, that rarely happens. You pretty much have to create your own path to what you feel is success. And there's yes. a lot of relativism there. What do you feel like is success? What do you want that path to be? And, and when you don't know what those options are, then you've got to be curious and you've got to go explore what those things are. So I will tell you the one thing from going from life sciences, from medical device companies to hospitals, and then back and forth, back and forth. The one thing that has always struck me is how myopic we are. Everyone in a hospital feels like no healthcare happens outside of a hospital. And I'm generalizing, but the, this has been my experience. This has been my observation. Those in life sciences feel like everything happens in life science organizations. <laughs> everything happens in biotech. Everything happens in yeah. pharma. Yeah. And we're rarely incentivized to look outside our piece of healthcare. Healthcare 100%. is so big. When you say any, any, even a term like digital transformation, that means something so different across the board. Yeah. You're talking to a health IT company. They're like, yeah, that means we implemented Epic. We implemented <laughs> Cerner, which is, yeah. yeah, that had to happen. And yes, it was mandated. And yes, we've been talking about it for over a decade now. But that's one fraction of digital transformation in my mind. And so just being curious about what the other sides of healthcare are has always served me well because then I can speak about a trend or I can identify something and get in front of it and share it with people. And they're like, yeah, we never would have thought of that. I'm like, yeah, Bingo. well, because, because of that curiosity that's, that's driving me, like, how does yeah. this really work? So I think that's important. Yeah. And just to draw connections, so that's exactly what I mean. The benefit is of building your network outside of your employer. Like go get on a committee in economic development and life sciences in your community. I'm sure they'd love to have you as a young person. Right. And who knows what you can learn. And so totally, totally agree. Yeah. Perfect. I agree with that. The next one I had to do with when you talked about sharing, like learning to develop your voice and share that voice. Mm. There's a couple parts of that in my mind, because you do really want to figure out what that thing is that, that just gets you up in the morning. What's that mm. problem that you feel like you can help solve? And it doesn't have to be the same thing forever, but is this something that over the next year, two years, three years, that I can put a lot of effort into and make a name for a solution? And by so doing, you're going to be creating awareness about something that maybe people didn't even know was a problem, mm -hmm. but you're working towards solving it. And mm -hmm. if you develop your reputation that way, you're going to have a lot more doors open because people are going to see, hey, this person wasn't just bagging on this thing or just saying what's wrong. They're solution oriented. This is somebody who's trying to solve this thing. And so learning how to share your voice is important. And I would agree with the things you shared about starting a, a blog, starting any way that you're just going to post about it. 
Yeah. And you have to realize that not everyone's going to agree with you and you have to be okay with that. Yes. The sooner in your career, you can share an opinion tastefully and be okay yes. with the fact yes. that some people are going to agree and some people are just going to think you're nuts. Yeah. And, and if you're okay with that, then I'm telling you, like you can go almost anywhere in this field. That, that's yeah. what I have learned. And especially in a bigger organization, I feel like I've heard and seen almost everything just in the types of organizations, everything from startups to fortune 500 life science companies. And I remember in, in one company distinctly very early on, I'd only, I had not been there that long, but I'd been in the industry for more than a decade, but I'd only been in the company for not that long. And I was literally told, listen, until you've been here three years, we don't want to hear what you think. Oof. I was told that over and over again, in, first implied. And then it was just directly told to me. And I just thought, well, first off, uh, We'll see if I, yeah, Yeah. we'll see if I stick around here three years. And I almost did. It was two years and 11 months. And uh, I did it just to kind of like stick it to them. I admit that, but there was so much wrong with, with that from me. I was like, I'm pretty sure you hired me to share the things I learned from other places and I've got these things and, and here they are. And, and I kept getting shut down. So I had to learn how to deal with that, you know, from a resilience standpoint, I had to be okay with the fact that this is a, this is a big organization. I do need to respect that other people have other opinions and aren't going to agree with that. Or there are other things going on, office politics. There are just other parts of this. Of, you know, like I can't just go in and, and say, hey, I've got the answer to everything. I had to really step back and be more tactful and understand how to share ideas. I, I thought, hey, if I'm telling you that this is the way to fix that, this is the way for sure. us to improve, that sure. everyone, everyone would be on board. Sure. And that's not usually the case. So I just learned that uh, sometimes the easy way, sometimes the hard way. Yeah. When you're talking here, so I'm hearing two things. The first, again, I've been so blessed from the beginning, but I realized that in my first you know, big boy role, I actually had mentors and sponsors before I knew that that was even a thing. And so, you know, the, the, the executives that hired me genuinely cared about, you know, my development. They sent me places I probably shouldn't have gone you know, paid me more than it's probably worth. And like, they were like pulling me into more all the time. And, you know, as I switched careers or jobs a few times, I'm realizing that's not always the case. And so I know it's hard when you first start, but to the degree that you can, I think it's important to make sure you're actually interviewing that employer as well. Like how good are these leaders going to be to work for? And if you hit the jackpot and find the right people like I did, uh, Cheryl Dieter, Terry Shields, Terry was the CEO of the hospital. Cheryl Dieter was the chief nursing executive. And these people did more for me than I could ever have realized in just terms of the opportunity and the blank canvas they sort of gave me to just do what needed to be done, but in the way that they knew I could, would be able to do it and wanted to do it. So that's another thing that's sort of like a sample of I think what we just said. And then the other thing I want to talk about the solutioning you mentioned and um, Bob Riney, who's the chief operating officer at Henry Health System, is a good contact of mine, friend, says this all the time. He says, I hate when people, he's mentioned, I hope he doesn't mind me saying, he says, I hate when people just tell the weather. And so there's a ton of people in healthcare, to your point, who love to talk about the problems, like, and as if we don't know them, right? <laughs> and so, but it's so refreshing when people at least try to come up with a solution. So every, I try to do that now every time I share a problem, I try to at least offer a way forward. And I think if, if young careerists especially can get into the habit where you're not just seeing as someone who's pointing at the weather vane and saying the wind's blowing north, as if we don't know that already, that'll set you apart. Agreed. 
So my last kind of point is, is I feel related to that too. And I'm kind of looking at it from the side of being the hiring manager. So yeah. at other opportunities, I've had opportunity to build teams, to hire people. And I remember very distinctly paying a lot of attention to someone's qualifications, but, but even more to how they will be on a team and understanding how things come off. So this one has to do with self-awareness being aware of, like we were just talking about sharing your voice. Like what if you're sharing your opinion and you're like, well, this has got to be the thing. Like this has got to be the solution. Everyone's got to know this. Nobody likes to know it all. Even in an interview, when you're there to prove how qualified you are for something, there are ways to do it tastefully where it doesn't come off as look like I'm, I'm the answer to everything. It's a tricky line to walk, but it's something that's worth doing, especially as you do get hired into an organ, the, the larger an organization, the more you've got to be aware of how you're coming off to people. And the quicker you can do that, that might involve some failures and that's sure. okay. But the sooner you can do that to really pay attention. And a lot of times at an earlier point in your career, that means asking people like, how did this come across to you? And so you find, and it, it can be a couple of trusted individuals in your circle to say, you know, after a meeting, Hey, you know what? I, I realized like I noticed some trepidation in the room. Like people were getting fidgety. As I said, this one thing, how did it come off to you? Like, what was it like, did I screw up? And you have to be okay with what that answer might be. That answer might be, yeah, you kind of rub some people the wrong way. And this is the EQ, the emotional intelligence side of it. The sooner you can figure this out, the sooner you can just work it into everything else you're trying to do, the sooner uh, you will find some success because I I don't want to leave my side of this people thinking, hey, well, you just kind of, you know, people really didn't want to hear what you had to say. You know, my story about being told until you've been here a certain amount of time. The flip side of that is I've also been in organizations where I kind of got fast-tracked because of a couple of early successes Mm -hmm. and and even in being one one division of a Fortune 500 life science company, we had some success and I was I felt like I was getting fast-tracked in terms of getting invited to speak to tech leaders, IT leaders across the entire company to share some things we had done. And, and this was, again, in the early days, like we had developed some iPad and iPhone apps that Ooh. the whole rest of the company back in, this was back in the day, but they were like, well... Like we, you guys did this first before any of these other divisions that had like 10 times the amount of money and resources and teams and you guys did it first. So how did you do it? And so that was, yeah, it was a super cool experience. So uh, I feel like I've kind of run the gamut. I've definitely had experiences like that where it just felt like we had some great success. We were able to learn and and share some things and, and the whole company benefited from it. So those types of experiences on both sides of that coin are invaluable. And it's important to look back and, and realize what does each part in your your career journey tell you what do you learn from it and ultimately what do you want out of this the 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 possibilities are endless no i completely agree with that now that i look back on it too like in the early days i was put in a position where i could be successful it does you know it does sort of propel you a little bit and and also being a part of like you know they call them like higher visibility projects so you know, the things that, you know, the, the programs and projects and departments that really are driving the business forward or doing something different or really matter to executives can be, um, you know, a great way to distinguish yourself in the early days, but also come with a lot of risk too, um, if you don't deliver, that's for sure. For sure. Exactly. Well, I think this has been great. It's it's great to look back and think I'm in a lot of ways envious of those at a younger, earlier part in their career right now. When I was getting into healthcare and getting into digital transformation and digital sure. marketing and, and yeah, iPad development, web development, we did not have a thing called digital health. We did not have the opportunities in front of us that are there now. 
And their entire industry is now built around things that I wish were there when I was at a very early point in my career. And I would have just gone straight to them because there's so much fun, interesting things. There's so much going on in our careers uh, in, in the industry right now. I just think it's a great time to be in healthcare and tech and anywhere in this intersection. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the, and, and I think hospital leaders, healthcare leaders are starting to realize too that they want to hire on young people who understand digital and what it can even do beyond what, you know, even experts know, right? Like I think of like TikTokers and all those folks who like know this stuff like way more intimately than even we do. There's going to be a huge opportunity for them to understand how this all works. And you now over the last few months, we're going to talk about the metaverse and Bitcoin and NFTs and all this stuff. I'm almost certain there are healthcare applications for that. And I, I'm almost certain too, it won't be boomers that really figure out you know, how to make that stuff work. And so more power to this next generation. 100%. Uh, Zane, always a pleasure. Uh, thanks for uh, walking walk us through this stuff. It's a lot of fun. We're going to keep this topic and, and bring on some guests in future weeks to, to keep talking about advice, particularly for younger professionals. So in the meantime, Zane, stay safe, stay well, and, uh, and all the best to you. Thanks, Jared. We'll talk soon. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.